Hello, Kirsty here. I'm just on my way to the UKWA parliamentary luncheon. It's at the House of Lords. I thought I'd walk there as it's only a few minutes more than the tube and it's actually a beautiful, bright day. I've been chained to my desk lately, so I'm pleased to have been let loose on the uh, London logistics scene again. I'm actually planning to fit two events into today's schedule. After this lunch, I'll actually walk into another event, which is also in Westminster, called Returns Revolution. The plan is to make it just in time for their sustainable fast fashion panel, which I thought would be really interesting for you guys. You're listening to the Logistics Podcast with Kirsty Adams. I've just finished lunch with UKWA. There's literally thousands of years of experience in that room amongst its members. Really interesting, really important place to be, actually. There was a really interesting talk from Tony Thomas, who's from the Border Delivery Group, but also from the Home Office's Carrie Golding. They updated members on government's plans for leaving the EU and how they're preparing. Tony explained that there would be pop-up sites across service stations across the UK with lots of advice for people. And Carrie talked about the EU Citizen Scheme. Some of your workers may actually need to apply for this. They have until December to do so. Hopefully you're already in discussion with them on it. I met a nice man called Chris Williams. He was on my table. He is from Denby Pottery, head of logistics there. He was kind enough to join me on the balcony for a quick interview about how the British brand manages its supply chain. Here's Chris. I was talking about the challenges of a long-time existing UK brand, such as Denby. We're a small company, and the fast-moving world that we live in, particularly regarding the way that retailing is changing, particularly regarding climate change, which has been a big topic of conversation today, is having a huge effect on the way that we have to operate, significantly in terms of the way we package a product. So obviously we're sending out highly fragile products every single day. We send them all across the world, either on a pallet or it could be just to you know, Mrs Smith who lives down the road. So it is a huge challenge for us. And of course the focus these days on plastics and the use of plastic is changing the way we're having to think about doing that. It's a challenge because the cost, so the cost to move away from plastics is very expensive. And also the effectiveness of the packaging that we use. So whilst we can get rid of bubble wrap and we can get rid of air fill, which is what we generally use, to find something that does the job just as well as that, because I've got to deliver a plate at a cost. I've also got to deliver it intact. I can't deliver a plate to somebody that's broken because that really will upset our customers. It's mean that we've got to think outside the box a little. So one of the things that we've been doing recently is recycling our own waste cardboard. We bought a machine that turns that into a lattice kind of packaging material and we can use that for box fill and that's been fantastic and we've got really good feedback from our customers on that what piece of equipment is that who's made it that's a really good question (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to be completely honest with you, I don't know. It is literally a cardboard shredding machine, but it doesn't actually shred the cardboard into small bits. It, it turns it into a lattice type of material that's very pliable and you can roll it up or screw it up into a ball. And we literally use that to fill out the boxes and we've replaced airfill with that. So we're using our own waste to create our own packaging. And that's a fantastic thing and it's been really good. I mean, it saves us money from a packaging perspective, but environmentally, what well, it's a fantastic message as well. But actually, it's a really economical and efficient way for us to work as well. Quite a few of us have a nice piece of Denby China in our home, but it's slightly different in South Korea. What does it mean to them? We do all have a lot of Denby in our home. I've got Denby in my home, and not just because I work there, I've had it for 20 years and I've only worked for Denby for a few years, so it's something that most of us have, or, or we know people have got it. In South Korea, it's a huge designer brand now. It's one of Denby's biggest international markets. I send out two containers a week to South Korea. Where it's seen as a designer brand, it's a bit like Gucci. It's a great sign of success to serve your dinner on a Denby plate over in South Korea. There are other places over in the Far East, China, is one of them where we're looking to expand in the future as well. But it's a fantastic market for us. How easy is it to expand into China from a logistician's perspective? The logistics are it takes a month for the stock to get there alongside any of the other importing responsibilities that we have. The way you pack it, of course, is quite considerable. I mean, we don't use a lot of packaging to send it abroad. Ironically, I use a lot more packaging to send a plate to a city 30 miles away than I do to send a pallet of plates over to South Korea. But obviously everybody wants it a little bit differently. Everybody's requirements are slightly different. And then there's the nature of the product as well, because the type of product that we sell to South Korea is very slightly different to what we sell in the UK or to the US in terms of the design, in terms of the type of product. You know, So we sell huge amounts of pasta bowls in one country. In another country, we might sell more rice bowls. And it's just the nature of the culture that we're selling to. Denby is a British brand. The China is crafted in the UK. How does that impact on what you do? Yeah, it is a British brand and all our stoneware is handmade in a factory right in the centre of the UK. It's rare that you find that these days. So much stuff is imported to the UK, so much really good quality stuff is imported to the UK. But we're really proud of what we do. And like I said, it is handmade. We don't have huge amounts of autonomy. Each piece of pottery that we create passes through many pairs of hands on its way. It literally comes from a mountain of clay. It sounds like marketers, but we do have a mountain of clay outside of the factory, which we take the clay from, and, and that gets turned into pottery as it goes through the factory. We create a really tough product. It's amazing what we can get away with in terms of when we're drop testing it. It's really durable. I think what it does is it creates a brand that we're really proud of. Chris, you attended the UKWA roundtable this morning. Is there anything useful from that, from what you said or from what you heard, that you'd be willing to share with our listeners? It was a really interesting morning. We talked a lot about climate change, we talked about Brexit, but one of the things that's very close to what I do, we talked a lot about the people. How do we retain people? How do we encourage people to come into logistics? On the outside, logistics can come across as a bit, well, you'll just work in a warehouse, but there's so much more to it than that. If you look at just the climate change agenda alone and the impact that we as an industry can have on that, that can be really exciting for us. And obviously the opportunity for travel, for instance, I've travelled to a number of different countries just in the result of my job over the last 
30 years, can't believe it's been 30 years, um, then that's created a huge amount of opportunity for me. And I think it's how we encourage people to come in and start, who's going to do my job in 10 years' time, for instance, because hopefully I'll be on a beach somewhere. Okay, it's 3.30 in the afternoon. I've just arrived at the Rebound Revolution event in Westminster. It's on the 28th floor, so I hope the lifts work, and I hope I'm not too late. My name's Graham Best. I'm the CEO of Rebound Returns. Graham, what type of topics are you covering today at this event? It's the only event in the world that we're aware of that's returns-focused only. It's the second time we've had... The event. So at the same time last year we had the first event. The topics are all around returns as a customer experience, what a retailer needs to offer cost-effectively, how to grow globally using returns as a differentiator as opposed to a negative, which is historically what it's been seen at. The event sponsors are all partners of ours around the world that are actually selling rebound into North America, South America, Europe, Asia. Very much an interactive event. Lots of guest speakers from different parts of the world shining a light on different parts of the world like South America and what the buying patterns are of customers in, say, Chile. How do we reach those customers and offer a good returns experience that's customised to them? So it's quite a, a consultative event, I'd say. Extremely interactive, roundtables, guest presentations. Very relaxed, because that's our style, in a great venue. How does Rebound make the day-to-day operations better for a logistician? It takes the noise out of it, really, and provides a lot of visibility. So returns tends to be a bit of a blind spot. So you don't know what's coming back and why. So it's a whole series of surprises. What we do is kind of shine a light on that. So if the consumer's happy at the front end and they've got a nice interactive relationship with the retailer and they can see what's going on, they trust the retailer, they know when they're getting their refund, most importantly. What it gives the logistician is a great deal in confidence in actually issuing a refund be that in-country or when it gets back to the warehouse or when it's even registered on the portal. It takes a lot of noise out of things like the customer centre, so you're not getting 70% of your calls saying, where's my money? And it creates, most importantly, loyalty amongst customers. The thing that gives us real edge or logisticians a real edge is the choice. If you imagine a retailer trying to integrate 170 carrier services and manage the network, that's a very, very big challenge for a retailer that's got 50 other projects to worry about. So we can give them a global return solution pretty much off the stand. That works every time. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I've just left the networking drinks of Rebound Revolution. It was an international audience, I'd say, of retailers and e-commerce businesses, anyone who has to manage retail returns. I met some interesting people, including CEO and founder of Click & Collect. He's based in Singapore, and we are now LinkedIn Connections. You'll be pleased to hear that I did make it to the panel sessions, and it was really, really fascinating. A few points that I took away that stuck with me was that the second-hand market is growing at 20% per year, which is actually faster than fast fashion. So, so the fashion's not as fast as it was. But there's obviously a drive from the consumer to purchase what we like to call pre-loved goods. 
possibly from eBay, from your local charity shop. One of the speakers talked about how we should be incentivising shoppers to recycle. There should be a commercial benefit to them and that is one way to encourage recycling and sustainable fashion. We also heard that at the moment all the data that we have on reverse logistics isn't harnessed. So we may know why products are returned and where they're returned but we're not using that information to make the supply chain more sustainable. Not yet anyway. Something that I wasn't surprised to hear, we hear it within logistics a lot, we cannot keep offering fast and free deliveries. Shock horror. Sounds like a fair point to me. Also, they talked about collaboration. They talked about the fact that this is hard enough without collaborating, so we need to collaborate to make it a bit easier. Anyway, thank you for joining me today for my day out of the office. I really enjoyed it. I was really pleased to get invited to both events. I think they went really well and I learned a lot. So hopefully you learned something too. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Logistics Podcast episode brought to you by SHD Logistics. Keep subscribed to our podcast feed via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other podcast platforms. This way you'll receive our other episodes on the logistics news, industry and chats with key voices all coming directly to your device. If you or your company would like to be featured, please contact Kirsty directly on kirsty.adams at informa.com. Logistics.